as a child, I had a dream. Life, power, recognition, prestige. The quest for destiny. To one day be champion. To one day be champion. To one day be champion. Desire. As a man, I have a dream. Ambition. I will be champion. A hunger still unsatisfied. I will not fail. I cannot fail. The yearning. Unleash the demon inside. Sacrifice the soul for the covenant gold. Whatever means necessary. The light is brighter. Whatever it takes. The taste sweeter. Whatever means necessary. Sacrifice. Whatever it takes. Destiny. Whatever means necessary. Whatever it takes. Whatever means necessary. Pain, sacrifice, agony. I will be champion. Whatever it takes. And now, Nestle Crunch presents WWF Survivor Series Deadly Game. This is the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast with your host, the professor, Chao Bello Veracruz. Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder. And I will take the powers of those that have no fear. And the prodigal one, JB. The queen. The queen of the crop. Now it's time to go back in time in the time machine. hangover you know it's been either a couple of days after survivor series a couple of days after the turkey and the stuffing and the gravy and the mashed potatoes and the green beans and the rice and the beef mm. I'm, I'm already i'm already full right now you, i'm saying the words and i'm full already after a couple of days after thanksgiving a week after thanksgiving you know do you have your turkey sandwiches your turkey alakines your turkey soups your turkey on a stick whatever you know how families do you know God bless everybody. I hope y'all had a nice Thanksgiving. I hope you had a pleasant Thanksgiving. But I have a bone to pick with the 12. I have a bone to pick with you. Why didn't you invite the professor? You know I love to eat. You can save a turkey. And you know, turkeys are big. I don't care about inflation. Don't blame Joe Biden for being selfish and not inviting the professor over to your house. Because I'm a hungry motherfucker. But neither here nor there. That's a rant. That's a shoot. But it's a work shoot. But it neither here nor there. But anyway, happy Thanksgiving hangover. Happy Survivor Series War Games hangover. You know, this whether it's a couple of days or a week after, welcome or welcome to the PWR Podcast. Here at the PWS Network, at thepodbeans.com. And if this gets uploaded by 8-Track Brown, the slowest motherfucker out there, it will be on the <laughs> YouTube Network. But anyway, 
it is time to do what we do best. It is to go episodic, and before we go episodic, I must introduce myself because I am vain like that. I have a vanity complex, and I love it. I'll never let that one go, even for 2023, even my year, you know, wishes. I'll still be vain, vain like that. I am the most magnanimous one. I am the most scholarly one. But most importantly, I'm the most glorious one. The only objective man in this IWC, YWC punditry. The only objective man in this political spectrum. The only objective man that will give you down the line between WWE, AEW, Impact Wrestling, New Japan, no matter what in between. Your friend of mine, the Professor Chabella Cruz. And I'm not here alone celebrating this Thanksgiving hangover, this Survivor Series War Games hangover. I'm here with my brother from another mother, the conservative liberal, the liberal conservative, the man who got fatter over the holidays. The freaking spine himself. Dumbed up doing idiots. So he did not throw up this, these foods. I guarantee you that. It was in the stomach and it remained in the stomach until he had to take a shit. He's your friend of mine. Yee! Tommy Wonder, how are you doing? And happy Thanksgiving to you and your wonderlings and your dog and all that jazz. Oh, that was nice. You didn't include a jack. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Turkey Day to you as well. I, listen, Turkey is known for having the drug in it that puts your ass to sleep. And my record, I have gone to four different families' homes on Thanksgiving and was not nearly as tired as I am right now. And I, I, it whooped my ass this year. But it's a special day. Mm-hmm. It's not only do I have Ray, the Big Ray's favorite thing to open, but I got this thing in the mail the other day, and I have to show you because you, you have to be. You remember the old LJN rubber wrestling dolls, right? The okay. the mid eighties LJN of class. I call them dolls. Do you see this right here? Hogan and Terry Funk. That's nineteen eighty five editions. Okay, look at this. So what Mattel Creations did? What the hell, they made it where you can open the shit too. That's what's beautiful about it. Well. They, for the remission, I, I, I just want to say there is an error on the box. There is an error on the box of Hogan's belt. That the shape of the belt, the color was all black. It should have been green. No, so that's just that's just the no. Pop. No, I I'm gonna tell you you're wrong on this one, and I'm gonna explain to you why. This right here, this is mind blowing. Like, listen, if you're a toy collector like me, and you. And you no, I, rem- I remember the LJN's Hogan had it was black with the with the with the gold, but I'm just saying for you know logistic purposes, Tommy. I you know this I belt? understand. Do you yeah. see this belt? That yeah, I remember that LJN belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's just but it's still logistic. It's it's still logistically wrong. It should no. be green. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, because the belt he won from the Iron Sheik was green, but this. Yes. Is- they didn't, this isn't for that. This is for, look at the packaging. Mm-hmm. Look at the back. Mm-hmm. I know. I know the Hogan one. I had the Hogan one. I had the Hogan one with the, uh, with the Are yellow. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Oh, it slides out. I can take bass. I can open them up without ruining the packaging. And then check this little guy out. You see the little stand that says his name? Mm-hmm. Watch this. Oh, you could put it on. You literally can put it on your wall. Oh, heads and heads that, and middle, 
Is that a middle finger or that's a dick? Number one. Remember when he always come to the ring? This you know. blew my mind. And I'm not I'm not I'm not shy with the digits. This shit costs seventy dollars. That's thirty five dollars each. Mm. I can't remember if shipping was free. I don't think it was, but I don't remember. Um, when I bought the Hasbro ones, I think I showed you them. They mm-hmm. did the same thing with the old Hasbros. I bought two of them in case my good man Jeff from Impact Wrestling didn't get any. He didn't, and he didn't want the ones I got. So, anyhow, I didn't buy two of these because I didn't want to spend $140. But Damn, right. you literally can close it right back up, and it's like you never opened it. That's nice. And in the box, has like they, the they're, being, they're, they're being nice to the collectors. They're being right. nice to the... This is a the, nod to the old school collector. And this Terry Funk figure here, right? They have a Mattel Legends Terry Funk. It's Jeff's grail, if you will. A grail is the figure that you're trying to find that you hope you find one day before mm-hmm. it costs your firstborn. And mm-hmm. that figure of Terry Funk, it should come down now. Because they made another version of it for this, but this right. is an ultimate edition, which is is like the ones I showed Alexa Bliss last week, the one that has more points of articulation and and all that stuff. Those also mm-hmm. come out of the box, and you can put them back in. But the moment we're all waiting for, the moment where you talked me into paying twelve months in advance, and it cost me five hundred dollars. Not I, I talked you into this. No, I did not. I yeah, just you should do it because you'll save ten dollars and nine dollars a month. It ends up where I get two boxes free. So I already got three of them I've opened, and mm-hmm. here is number four. And the oh, best boy. part is I don't know shit about this box. I don't remember. I don't. Maybe it's Gargano again, or I don't know who's on it, but it's not Adam Cole. So we're gonna go try to whip through this right quick so we can get to our. Uh, Review of our pay-per-view. Um, hopefully, you don't get a duplicate box. That doesn't happen, I hopefully not. They'd be giving my damn money back. Yeah. I'll let you know if you got a duplicate. I kind of remember the other boxes. Oh, it's got a little major wrestling figure. I'm not going to look at the spoiler alert. Cause, all right, you ready? Mm-hmm. First things first. Let's see what we got here. It's a T-shirt, in case you didn't notice. I'm wearing the big photo Mankind. shirt last box because mm-hmm. it's apropos what we're doing here not you know i'm a fan it's your twin brother anthony bowens twin brother i wish it had been a little more pink and black involved but you know whatever mm-hmm. i like these dudes when their figures come out i'm gonna buy them i'm gonna open them up it's the acclaimed a little purple nice. black pack. purple Second. and gold i think they're purple and gold in homage to the lakers i, I, I don't know if it's purple and black Come on. I'm going to cry. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. This was on the shirt, and I thought it was his shirt. Thank God it wasn't, and thank oh. God I just got a T-shirt. Evil Uno. Oh, God. That's not, I, I thought it was the one of them Pentos and Trios mm-hmm. champions. That's Dark Order, Evil Uno. This is awesome. It's going to make me cry, man. The Razor Ramon colors. Mm, nice. Scott Hall Memorial. I love it. That's 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 good. That's Oh shit! This is timely. Oh, thank God again. Dodged another bullet. Can you imagine if I got this dude as a shirt? Mox. Mm. Not bad. Three uh, for three. 
Dodge another bullet. The Young oh, you Sucks and Omega are the keychain. Mm-hmm. I like Omega, though. Man. You're not going to use it. I know that. You're not going to use that as your keychain, so you're going to give that away. Did Adam Cole in a... Who the fuck is this guy? That supposed to be Hangman? Uh, that could be Jungle Boy. Oh, this is Joey Janela, isn't it? Yeah, that's Joey Janela, I think. Tales from the Road. Story by Joey Janela. All right, so I got a Joey Janela. So here's All right, w- one bad thing. Not Let's a chase. Uh, Double J. Micro Brawler. So guess what? He was supposed to have an Ultimate Edition figure coming out. And they canceled it because of him going to AEW. It's the first time they've canceled. Uh, Adam Cole's had three figures come out since he's been in AEW for WWE. Because well, you know, he he left under certain circumstances, so you can't blame him. And WWE is doing what they they could be petty too. So pettiness both sides, at least for a little bit. This feels heavy. It's not. Sometimes you get two pinups. Not bad. Little ode to the UWF. You got Akeem on one box, and now you got a one-man gang, I think. No, I got Warlord. You sure you didn't get an Akeem on one I of the, the early ones? I got uh, Lance Archer. Mm-hmm. Then I got him. Man, who I could have swore you got an Akeem on something, whether it was a picture or or something. But you might have got, well, what, you need to hear no there. But not bad. Not bad for an unboxing. <laughs> You get two. Mm-hmm. That's the Warlord. So, Warlord. Man, look at me. It's like it's Christmas down here. By myself, my own shit. Oh, well. We'll figure well, it out another time. Christmas right. came early for the Wonder Man. So, no. you know. So, that's what it was. The what? box said next month there was going to be something from a king. Or uh. one Oh, okay. That's why I had it in my head, like, you had an Akeem already. So I was like, oh, okay, we got both. So you're all set. So with that being said, are we happy with this unboxing, TW? Are you happy with the, the, the results? The Scott Hall shirt and the Acclaim shirt makes it worth it. That's the bottom line. When, with the end of the day and these micro brawlers, because I got my three Garganos that came in the mail. I got mm-hmm. my Harley Race. I got my Ric Flair. Now I got Jeff Jarrett. So at the very least, I got 11 more of those sons of bitches coming. I almost ordered the, uh, look at this, though. These, I got a Gargano pin, and I got these jobbers. So mm-hmm. these pins might end up on the old eBay. Uh, all right. Well, stickers. But you got, you got to get your money back somehow, some way with all this. So with neither, neither here nor there. But now with the unboxing, the unraveling, the unboxing done on TW side, I got to do what I do best. For the Reflectionites, for the Magnificent Seven, for the Elite Eight, for the 99, and do what we do best. Go back on the nostalgia train, and we are going episodic. I think this is episode 161 or 162, but I think Big Ray will correct me if I know it or not. But it was apropos that since this is the Thanksgiving Hangover Edition TW, since this is the Survivor Series War Games Hangover Edition of the PWR Podcast here at the PWSNetwork.com. I had to check, you know, Donna Destruction, shout out to him. You know, he, he tried to find all the past episodes of the PWR, and I remembered the link that he sent me. So I did a checklist of everything we did, 
And I realized certain shows that we did. And I, I noticed a pattern, the difference of the pattern between when Ray and Trav and you and I did it. And then when Ray gave me the, the keys to, to run this, you right. could say, I ran this tight, a tighter ship. And I noticed that some of the shows that we picked, it like it was out of loop. It was out of sync. I don't know why we did that, but neither here nor there. It was just, you know, I, I kind of have that kind of OCD on this. But anyway, I had to make sure that we didn't do this, and we didn't. So it was, you know, if the 12 who have followed us, like Donna Destruction, like Philip Scott Wood, if they follow us from Hameen to PW and back to Hameen, whatever, Big Vito, we never did this one. So I'm 100% sure, TW. So it was apropos Survivor Series hangover. So we've done back, something twice? We've done Survivor Series. We've done the first one, and I think oh. we did the second one. But we never went. We never delved into the '90s. We never delved into. Oh, we did '97, and that was. But we there was a reason to do that, of course. Right. But you know, we never really into the crust of the Attitude Era Survivor Series realm. So it was apropos to do Survivor Series 1998 Deadly Games from the St. Louis, Missouri, the Keel Auditorium, the Keel Center. And you know what? Two things that, that that caught the professor's eye, because if we turn, you know, we always reflect nice, try to compare the past and to the present. And TW, you always know on social media right now, we keep abreast. Not not because you know we like you always say you don't want to see them fail, but we always look at right. the numbers, the buy rates of AEW pay per views, right. and they kind of had the range of. 130,000 buys to about 185,000, 190,000 buys, which is re very respectable in co considering it's a three-plus-year-old, you know, wrestling organization. They have, you know, they have a loyal fan base. And if you do $50 times 180,000 buys, you get a couple of, you know, you get some chunk of change back in your investment. This buy rate here, TW, caught my eye because, you know, we will never – you know, if AEW can have this buy rate, TW, I will get down on my knees and, and, and <laughs> praise our lot if Tony Khan can do this. But do you know the buy rate of 1998 Deadly Game Survivor Series? I don't even know what buy rates mean, so no. <laughs> well, you know, how many uh, people bought the pay-per-view via on-demand, via Comcast, or whatever the case, uh, Spectrum, whatever oh, the case may be. people bought it? Yeah, how many people bought the pay-per-view? The, the, uh, give me one, a number. One million. No, they ain't that good. They weren't that good. But the buy rate was a very respectable, in my eyes, for 1998 purposes, 400,800 buys. So you're, not, you're not setting the bar too high for Tony Khan. That's, that's, if 400,000 people bought it, that's times $60. That's some money. Well, in 1998, I don't think they got up to the $50 range just yet. I think it was still in the 40s. It was still $40. $49.99 was, and that was expensive. It was $39 to $49.99 in the ni in the 90s. In the well, 2000s, it, ten, it, rent, ten it rent thousand, up. $10 would make uh, $4 million. So you're making $16 million off of one show, and that's probably half your roster's yearly salary. Could that be. WrestleMania. And remember, it's a partnership between on demand and WWE. But again, four hundred thousand buys is is nothing to sneeze at, TW. Right. So if Tony Khan can do this, I will bow down to him and say you did something. If he can actually catch up to that number, but neither here nor there. I just wanted to give out the buy rate. But 
TW, you know, in our history of doing the reflection for four plus years, it's been a great four plus years runs. But I remember one episode that we eviscerated a Monday Night Raw, I believe from 1999. But we gave the positives and the negatives because I think we looked at it from the eyes of present day and the eyes of that year of the Attitude Era. And so to do 1998 Deadly Game Survivor Series, I have to do the 2020 Deuce Eyes with the 1998 Eyes because my 1998 Eyes was loving wrestling because I had a plethora of options. I had a plethora to watch. Just like you and me, we are addicted to watching wrestling. I had WWE, <laughs> I had WWE to watch. I had WCW to watch. And, of course, you know if I'm a brand loyalist in 1998, you already know the brand that I'm loyal to. And that was ECW. E Absolutely. But I had a plethora of options. So I'm happy no matter what. So... Like you said, if I just want to watch wrestling, I will enjoy it for what it is. But we got to look at it from the business aspect here right now, TW, because, of course, in the Monday Night Wars between WCW and WWE, looking at 1998 uh, Deadly Games here, and I will get into the crust of something else, uh, Reflection Nights, in a second, but I want to at least give the theme of this. Deadly Games, TW. This was the first Survivor Series in 1998. From, 19, from 1987 to 1997, there was one common theme. There was always an elimination tag team match from 1987 to 1997. 1998 was the first Survivor Series that eliminated that. There was no elimination matches whatsoever. But if you want to keep the theme of Survivor, quote-unquote, tournaments is the ultimate a sense of survival, if you will. You got a, you know, a one-night tournament. You got to wrestle three times in one night and ultimately survive to become the WWE champion. What say you about that? The theme changed here. Vince McMahon ditched his original concept that was created by himself and Pat Patterson to offer like that war games, a theme, the eliminations, five-on-one match of survival, whatever. You know how the scenarios go. To just go into this gimmick right now, what say you? Um, it, it, I I have zero memories of this. I to answer your question objectively, I mm -hmm. like it because if only because it was for the title. If they would have just made it a tournament for no fucking reason, then I would have hated it that they changed it from you know team Survivor Series to basically individual surviving a tournament. Um, but it still fits the definition of. Who's going to survive, be the last man standing, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, I don't remember the, the reasoning behind them not having a title or a champion. Uh, is this I, will, I, can, I can answer that question for you, TW. The Vince Russo-led writing team of himself and Ed Ferrara, during the year of 1998, of course, this was the Stone Cold era when he won it at WrestleMania against Shawn Michaels. Right. He had his wars with Undertaker. He had his wars with Kane. So one pay-per-view, I believe, before that, before Survivor Series, he lost in a triple threat to Undertaker and Kane. But the 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 controversy, quote-unquote, is that it was a double pin. Kane pit, you know, both Brothers of Destruction pinned the shoulders of Austin. So there was no clear-cut win. It was a tie. So Vince McMahon 
doing the Monday Night Raw kind of entertainment booking, if you will, said, fuck it, nobody won. And, of course, this is where we went to. We got into a one-night tournament to crown an undisputed, I love that word, because every, every time a WWE tournament for a WWE championship, it will always become an undisputed WWE heavyweight champion. So I'm just trying to give you credence for what, yeah. you know, your question okay, is. Okay, so there was storyline-driven. Of course it wasn't Sean Austin's smile, because... Austin won the belt earlier year, Sean retired. But um, I, I think at this time, this is the uh, subjective way to respond, not objective, um, mm-hmm. is I think I was protesting. I think I was still mad about Brett. And I, I don't think I – I think I just tuned them the fuck out. I mean, I mm-hmm. remember Austin Michaels, uh, but I don't remember much after that. I don't even remember the thing you're telling me where Taker and, and Kane – you know, normally you're gonna have a triple threat match, and Kane's gonna pin Undertaker. Undertaker's gonna pin pin Kane to protect Austin, so he loses the belt without losing. But you're telling me they both pinned him, which makes him look even worse, right? Like mm-hmm. you got beat by both of them motherfuckers, not just one. So when you were describing it as a double pin, I'm thinking, well, who 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 did the belly to back suplex to who with Kane and Undertaker? You know, like they're both pinned, and then you say they both pinned Austin. I'm like, whoa, but uh. At the end of the day, I I like, and I'm going to tell you now because I told you it was something they did here that I absolutely loved and wish more pay-per-views did. My biggest complaint about pay-per-views, you're going to say it's the time. It's not the time directly. It's the reason why they end up being so long. It's literally an hour's worth of recapping everything that if you're watching this damn pay-per-view, you already know all that stuff anyway, right? So... You know, if they're drawing a million people a week on Raw for free, or two million, and only 400,000 people are buying the pay-per-view, that means they're the diehard people who already know what's going on. This pay-per-view went by like a well-oiled machine. It was just match after match after match. There was maybe one or two backstage segments, um, but they pertain to the match. So it, it just, it, it didn't feel, other than the fact that as you, no you was happy, You was happy with the flow of this the pay-per-view. Flow of it. Right. And it wasn't 10 minutes of telling me why Austin's wrestling uh, or why Kane and, and, and Undertaker got a bye in the second round, which is a is a is a nod to the last time it was a tournament because of controversial, uh, you know, Andre gave up his belt and they said, no, you can't have it. They gave Hogan and Andre the bye mm-hmm. so that they didn't have to be in the first round, but they fought each other. I thought that was a cool little head nod. They also screwed with Austin because he didn't get a bye. Because uh, screw you, you lost both of them. But my biggest problem with this pay per view is, I think I think it was, I think it was, start to finish, it's fucking bull in a china shop all over the place. But the end result, I think they nailed, which was the swerve. We'll get. I'm not going to give the swerve away, but mm-hmm. I like how they portrayed Austin and Rock for the two guys. That Vince did not want to mm-hmm. win, right. um, and and it was almost like they were grooming it towards Mick Foley, who, by the way, is the unsung hero here because his his reaction in the ring at the end, just sitting there like, "Hey, what's going on? What's going on?" But my big problem with it is, I think it was too soon, and I think that the WWE and Vince McMahon should thank their lucky stars that what they did to Brett didn't seal the deal for Monday Nitro to put. Mm-hmm raw out of business somehow went the other way around not long after that screw job 
Um, and so, it, I, you know, I, just, I don't mean to cut you off, no, but, no. I, but what you said is profound because I want to say this right now before I lose my train of thought. You know how you, you're always on the hustle fan page. You're on the you're on the social media. You know how people who are, you know, the wrestling fandom of social media, everybody thinks they know everything. But what is the one thing that people have said about WWE pay-per-views in the last couple of years? That it doesn't feel like a big like pay-per-view. Raw. Right. You know, I looked at this, and this is the 2022 eyes of the professor reflection. It's in TW. What you said, I want to translate this, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. You can agree, disagree, and retort yeah. back. Yeah. But Survivor Series 1998 felt like an overproduced, enhanced Monday Night Raw episode. I felt it was a filler, even though Survivor Series is a big-time ma- uh, event. It is one of the big four, along with Raw Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and this. But the way Vince Russo du- directed the, the direction of people, the way this flow that you liked, I have no problem with the flow. It was fine with me. But the, the booking, the matches, and the overall, uh, let's just say, direction and attention to one big storyline, we'll get into that, Reflectionites, it just felt like tune into Raw to see where this goes. This didn't feel like a big-ass payoff until the end, which could be debatable. But to me, this just felt like an overproduced Raw. And I, I've said that for the last five, you know, five to ten years right now in the 2010s. I never thought that in the in the noughties. I never thought of that. And even in the early 2000s, TW, what say you about that? Do you feel like this was overproduced, Raw? I, or? I feel I feel like two things made it feel like a Raw. If, if, I, if I didn't feel that way, but if I did, two things that stood out to me that would make it feel episodic mm-hmm. is it was too much Vince McMahon and the Stooges. It was, it was like, it was almost like the Monday Night Raws where the APA is playing poker in the back with somebody, right? Like mm-hmm. it was every fucking other match, you went back to the poker game. Only here, it was every match they went to Vince, and and it was it was way too much Vince. Um, but what it felt like to me, where under delivered as a pay per view was, it felt like a King of the Ring without the pomp and circumstance. Like, mm-hmm. like, like the thing that I liked about it most is the thing that took away from it feeling bigger was it was just like business. Like these guys come out and the next two guys come out to wrestle and and you know and uh, oh I I know why you think it was because fucking Dwayne Gill and and uh Dwayne Gill and uh the boss man fought Adam multiple Snow times are in the tournament, right? So it makes it feel like I was absolutely stunned that Al Snow beat Jeff Jarrett. Stunned. I was stunned to see Al was in the tournament. No offense to Al, but what reason on the wor- in, in the world well, would Snow be? Me, well, you said you was protesting a little bit. So right. I'll answer the Al Snow thing. This is 1988. Al Snow, I don't want to say resurrected his career, but because of the ECW Edo fandom, because of the gimmick of head, this is why he was in the tournament. Oh, he to was ride over. That wa- to ride that wave and to get a win it wasn't surprising to the professor, even in the noughties. He was there for that reason. So I'm right. just answering he, your question. He had connections to Foley, too. That was their stick. And so him versus Foley was a match. Actually watching it, and this is, this is why I said to you and uh, 
JB and, and Ray, when you guys were stunned that I'd never seen this, I'm like, this is right up my alley because it's a tournament. I have no fucking clue who wins what, right? Mm-hmm. So the whole time I'm watching it, I'm assuming the final is going to be Austin versus Rock, which yeah. would have made way more fucking sense for that swerve at the end. Um, but it wouldn't have made sense for the theme of the night because it would have been, why would McMahon even want to be out there because the two guys he didn't want to win, one of them's going to win it. So I get why it wasn't them two in the final. Um, but and I, I li- And I get why they weren't in the final because you were saving Austin and Rock for WrestleMania, so it wouldn't have made right. no sense to put them right. in the Survivor right. Series final. So that's but just that's one thing. Austin versus, uh, Austin versus Bossman, first round, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, you know, it, it, there's two matches that stand out to me where you know wrestling's different in 1998 than it was in 1988. Because Big Boss Man versus Austin looked like a regular match. And granted, Ray Trader lost some weight at this point compared to how big he was in the 80s. But in the 80s, the match that Austin and, and Boss Man had here, there's no way they had that match in the 80s. In the 80s, it would have been punching and kicking and... And big slam to Austin. And Ray using his weight to right. his advantage. And Austin would have been the underdog. This was 50-50 <laughs> booking. And then the other match that made me feel that way was Taker versus Rock. Two years mm. earlier, just two years prior to this, people were shaking in their boots when they were next to the Undertakers. They were afraid of him. He just mm. seemed like another guy in there when he was in there with The Rock. Him and Kane, they're the same size, so you can get away with that. And obviously, Rock's not that much smaller than him, but it was almost like the aura of the Undertaker, the fear. Like even the Warrior was hesitant. Like he, he was like, "I'm gonna do it," but mm-hmm. I'm gonna get, I might get my ass beat. But that's what Warriors do. We go in and see. But th- no one had fear towards the Undertaker on this show. But I do love how they protected him, how mm-hmm. how Rock got past him, and they were quick matches. So you, like you said, if you're saving it for WrestleMania, or whatever. And and to be fair. Undertaker wow. lost that long before this show because he he lost it when he was fighting Brett. Brett was never afraid of him, you know. It was mm-hmm. it's just weird how he went from being this guy everybody feared. Kamala was scared to death of him. Would run out of the building because he was like, oh, "This is a real life boogeyman, right?" So it's but uh, but again, I'm not gonna def- I, I might have to defend it a little bit. But when you get to to the Attitude Era, supposedly you're taking some sense of realism. So right. why am I going to be afraid of the Undertaker when he kind of broke? Son of a bitch! No, no, no. But why? But why be afraid of the Undertaker when he broke kayfabe himself on certain Raws? So right. he's hu- he already humanized himself. Right. So why should I be afraid of the R? And this is, I, this isn't long before the biker version of him comes around, right? Two two years away from becoming the Undertaker biker again. Uh, right. So. And, but but I I used to disagree with that decision. Mm-hmm. Watching this match made me understand why it had to happen because. He's still dressing like Count Dracula, but mm-hmm. no one's afraid of him like he did right. when he was Count Dracula. And he was creep. And, and that's the other thing. Look, look at Kevin Nash as Diesel, and look at Undertaker as Undertaker. They're the same fucking size. If anything, Diesel's probably bigger. And mm-hmm. Diesel was afraid of the Undertaker, right? Like he just had that ambiance about the him. aura. He was afraid I of the aura. It. How do you kill someone that's already dead? I still think that's the dumbest gimmick in the history of the world. But at the end of the day, like, I love the boogeyman. This motherfucker ate worms and he scared the shit out of people. That He wasn't supposed to be dead. Mm-hmm. He wasn't Candyman. Nobody, you didn't have to say his name three times for him to appear. But Undertaker being sold as a dead man already, I, I've hated it. 
It's probably why it took so long for me to get on the wagon to respect his ass, which is mm-hmm. not his fault. You know, it's making lemons out of lemon or lemonade out of lemons. He 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 got that gimmick and he fucking he's probably one of the he most characters of all time. Absolutely. So probably the most popular character of all time. Top top ten, no yeah. doubt. So neither way. Five. So top ten. The fuck. Hey, I'm being fair. I'm being fair here. But anyway. I gave you credence to why we got to the tournament because of the controversy that happened between Austin, Undertaker, and the King and Kane. So the theme of Deadly Games Reflectionites is that the I guess the MVP. There's actually two MVPs. Africa is only six percent vaccinated, and COVID has practically disappeared. Scientists baffled. Well, because they, they already have AIDS, so you know neither here nor there. But too soon, too soon. No, it ain't too soon. It's too accurate. But anyway, TW, the theme of the pay-per-view, and I'm going to say there's two MVPs here. You already talked about one, and that was Vince McMahon. We'll talk about Vince McMahon and his role in this tournament because we're not going to go match-by-match for Flex Nights. It's going to be boring, and that'll be a five-hour show. We don't need to go into it. We'll t- we'll t- we'll cherry-pick certain people because I want to I want to uh, analyze certain things because there's a because TW is going to have to 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 answer his own uh, Mandela effect here. Because when I looked at one match in particular, I'm, I was thinking about TW, but neither here nor there. Vince McMahon and the Stooges TW are MVPs, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I want to at least give credence to another MVP, and not because of this this tournament itself, TW, but the writing and the booking is so similar because in from 1908 to 2020 deuce mankind mick foley cactus jack whatever you want to call it to 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 try to cheer up vince vincent kennedy mcmahon when you know all the chips were down and his his children betrayed him and you know austin is making his life miserable mick foley is doing similar booking is getting similar booking just like a man right now in 2020 deuce your new favorite Sami Zayn, while he was infiltrating the bloodline, he's Sami Uso, he's the Oos man, he's feeling Oosy. Mankind was feeling Oosy in <laughs> 1998, TW, by, right? being in, by trying to get into the good graces of Vince McMahon, and it was incredible booking. If we remember, like, the hospital scene where he was, you know, trying to uh, cheer up uh, yep. Vince McMahon as, 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 as with birth Sokka and all that, the birth of Sokka and all that, TW. So the similarities between Mankind and Sammy Us and Sammy Uso, Sammy Zayn and 2020 Deuce is so parallel and paramount TW because people were cheering for mankind, even though he wanted to align himself with the corporation. He wanted to align himself with Vince McMahon. And he was trying to impress Vince McMahon so much that in this tournament, he wrestled in a three-piece suit, in a corporate suit. Of course, you know, after each round, he he took a he kind of stripped him. He's trying to he kind of stripped himself off like a Chippendale stripper to get back into his good in, in his normal uh, wrestling attire. But neither here nor there, TW. But what say you? Mankind is what Sammy Uso is today, TW. The crowd was behind him, and you know, in, in hindsight, it made all the sense in the world. And like you talked about in past PWR episodes, you've been champion. You've been politicking yourself for saying. Sammy Uso is the perfect man to defeat Roman Reigns. Hindsight is there, TW. We've seen it. It's right here. It's Exhibit A. Mankind's booking in 1988 galvanized himself in 1999 to become multiple-time WWE heavyweight champion with his wars with the Rock. And the catalyst 
for the 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 pendulum shifting on the Monday Night War that ended up putting WCW out of business. And he was one of those guys that get did dirty by WCW. Like mm-hmm. him in Austin? Right. Yeah, so Absolutely. it's fitting. Um, yeah, he, and it's funny because that's the other thing is I, I'm so, I, I'm so unfamiliar with this pay-per-view that I don't, I'm like, almost everyone in this motherfucker is in the corporate ministry. Fucking Ken Shamrock. Boss man, Undertaker, King. Not, not Shamrock. He's not in the in the ministry. Shamrock the was with McMahon at some point. Ninety nine. Okay, that's what I'm saying. I, I, my timeline's so messed up. I don't know when what is what. So I'm sitting there thinking Shamrock's a babyface, and then he and he peels through Goldust, who must have been a face at that point, and I thought mm-hmm. he was the heel. But then when Shamrock was in there with The Rock, The Rock was tweener. And everyone was basically a tweener in 1998. They, they were all whatever. And they it was blur, almost, they, the shades of gray, you're right. The shades of gray was apropos in WCW and WWE and ECW. So everybody had a shade of gray. They liked, and there right. were just so many people, everybody had some noise being made. And I still think uh, Scott Hall and Ken Shamrock are the two biggest pops of anybody <laughs> On such, it's such. funny you say that right now, and I look at this pay per view here, TW. I don't want to call you out, but you got to name where you you saw Shamrock pop. I was about where? to. He's a heel. Here. That's why. Mm-hmm. He's not a heel. He's not a heel. He's, he's a fan. Saturday morning superstars when they came out to the ring to wrestle the jobber, those those audiences used to be like the fucking the wave. They would jump up. And that's, no, that, those were piped in noises. If that's well, the pop you heard, but piped in or not piped in, the two guys that had the biggest pops for me every Saturday morning were Razor Ramon and Ken Shamrock. Oh, and remember, God. remember when Shamrock took the chair to the head like seventy-two times from the mm-hmm. Rock? That they, right there, that moment from that point on, that dude was over. He was over, but they cheered for The Rock doing it first. I that that's why I'm laughing because if you're using Saturday morning as well, your as like, your exhibit of pops, but, but why but would they pipe it in for everybody else? They've Both always piped in, and, and we're talking two different eras. Like yeah, Razor I know that. I'm just like, I'm just Razor Ramon's but, getting those pops in '92, '93. Ramon, no, I'll give I'll give you Ramon. I'll give you Ramon because pay per views I heard pops for Ramon. WrestleMania 10, I heard it. Summer Slams, I've heard it for Ramon. I, I the only I, pop I heard for Ken Shamrock is his debut. You could say his debut at WrestleMania 13 when he was the referee. I'll give you that. I'll give you that pop. For, for, yeah. for for mystique and curiosity and you know that that's a that's a big deal from coming from UFC or just mixed martial arts. I will give you that. I'm, I'm gonna I say that before he did all that too. So it was Severin. But no, no, I, I'll give you that. But, but I'm but this I, I heard crickets. I heard crickets for Shamrock because he was a fucking heel at this point. He but wasn't a heel. He was there's a matches, There's matches where he wrestles guys and he does the thing before he does that ankle lock. There's matches. When, in this match with the gold dust, when he hooks that ankle lock, the crowd pops when he puts him in the ankle lock. So, and that's with him being a tweener at that point. Well, the move is could get pops, but that doesn't mean anything. But I'm but just my saying, there, I didn't say they had the two biggest pops of all time. I said they had the two biggest pops for people that never got the world title ever. No, no. But I'm I lean towards more Razor than Shamrock. 
But TN Couponer, Josh, if this gets uploaded, give me, you got a mission. Find me legit pops for Ken Shamrock and not Saturday Morning Superstars. I want Raws. I want a pay-per-view, not WrestleMania 13, uh, Josh. I want another pay-per-view. Just give me the proof. I want proof. Uh, and, if Josh, and if Josh gives us the proof, I will bow down to you. But I just, this pay-per-view here, I was like, and they, and even Jerry Lawler during the pay-per-view TW said, people were starting to chant, Shamrock sucks. And they were building Shamrock winning the IC title. They were building Shamrock winning King of the Ring. So, you know, if he got too much too fast, that's neither here nor there. That's, that's the, the nature of the he, beast he, of the fans. He, he got that's the nature the of the beast. Thing Kurt Angle got. He got the same thing Roman Reigns got. Same thing Rocky got. When 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 you feel like you're being force fed something, this is this is the dawn of the internet, and that's mm-hmm. when these fucking tape traders become more vocal and they become no, fucking nerds. Again, but, it's the nature of the beast. That's what I'm just saying. I just I just want Josh to give me the the authentic one, and I want to hear it. Josh, you got to you got to Wasn't Shamrock? On the team against Brett, yes. wasn't it Austin Shamrock, Ahmed, and the Road Warriors? Austin Shamrock, Goldust, and the Road Warriors against the Hart Foundation. It was Ahmed. Trust the professor. Calgary Stampede, I know that in your house No, 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 well. the whole feud. Wasn't Ahmed part of the feud, too? No, absolutely not. Oh, wow, I thought he was part of the feud. Like I said, like you said, you was protesting because you was a Bret Hart mark, but neither here nor there. I just wanted to get throw that out here. So reflection that again. We gotta we we, we also on Shamrock. Okay, this is ahead. in the news recently. What's that? Specifically for this pay per view, uh, Shamrock said recently in an interview that he thinks his push got backburnered because he was too close to Bret Hart. Like he didn't have heat because he was friends with Bret Hart. But once that Calgary shit went down, he said his push just went right after that. And so. He's also not being pushed as hard as he was being pushed before. And didn't I can't remember, didn't he how did he lose oh the the Billy Club. The boss man threw the Billy Club to the rock but tried to make it like he was throwing it to Well the define push, like was he promised the heavyweight title run? Again, then then you're right. But right. to get an I C belt ring, to get a King of the Ring win in ninety eight, that's pushing you somewhere. So <laughs> I, I can't I can't that that's that's a he says she that's says what he thing, said. So. He said, no, no, I'm not saying he's wrong. You're right. I mean, that's politics. That's politics. He said all that happened in, in you know, Survivor Series, but he says yeah. the, the King of the Ring was already booked. Like, he already knew he was winning that King of the Ring, and he goes, and once that happened, he said he felt from that point on he was kind of just there. He obviously had the icy belt, but I don't know how long he had it. But, the, but, but again, for... for you know, you know, reflections. You know how we do with the Survivor Series. We're gonna, we have to at least correlate a lot of stuff that happened even before this. But for Shamrock purposes, there was somebody, there was somebody who was galvanizing himself. So we can talk about this right now, in a sense, because I want to compare the, I want to like combine the two. Tw. The theme of Deadly Games Reflectionites for this tournament was Vince McMahon, the Stooges, Sergeant Slaughter, Commissioner Slaughter, Pat Patterson, and Gerald Briscoe. You got Big Boss Man, the original Shield member, because look at that garb that he was wearing. So, but he wore his gear. But there was another guy that was galvanizing his popularity, that was galvanizing, you know, his time in the spotlight, if you will. And we got to talk about it right now, TW, and that was The Rock. So whatever Ken Shamrock said that he was promised or whatever, I'm not saying he's lying, but there's right. a reason why. 
as they as the old saying goes, plans change. And people were noticing, and Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson was noticing that a young upstart that was in the nation of domination as kind of like a filler to help Farouk and D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry and, and, and the Godfather, he shined. And there was no choice for Vince McMahon to not to separate himself from the nation of domination. Let him speak. Let him, you know, uh, express himself as, again, as the Attitude Era is all about expressing your inner character, your realist character. And that was Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. So you're right. Whatever Ken Shamrock said, I'm not saying he's a liar, but we have to talk about The Rock. Let's talk about The Rock and just focus on The Rock because Vince McMahon said in this Deadly Games tournament, his mission was to not have Stone Cold Steve Austin A in the finals and B win the title. But and he also said that he did not want The Rock to win because he picked Mankind to be the corporate champion. But before the, the, the tournament, and you notice these little things, The Rock galvanized himself with his promos. He galvanized himself with the people's eyebrow. He galvanized himself with the people's elbow and all that TW. So what say you? I mean, like you said, we're Shamrock, but I want to put a we have to at least uh, acknowledge the rock, the uprising, the, the uprising stardom that was the rock. What say you about the rock? Real quick, Shamrock isn't saying they stopped pushing him. He's saying he things felt different, is what he was saying. Like No, no, he, I, that's, but I'm saying it felt different because he could see Right. The atmosphere, and that was right. the rock. That's, that's you can't deny saying. that. He said when Brett was there and everything was good, he felt like rah rah shish kumba. And then when Brett was gone, he felt like a man on an island. Like fuck, mm-hmm. you know. Like right. they associated him with being a Brett guy, and all of a sudden he's not as popular with the boys, and, okay. or you know, not necessarily the boys, but the back. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the the rock was coming along, and and you know, I this is another thing that helps to watch old wrestling back is because. You know, at one point, Rock and Austin were 1 and 1A as the most popular guys on the fucking planet, regardless mm-hmm. of wrestling, just in life, right? And and they had to turn one bad at all times. They would alternate those guys. Austin would be with Vince. Rock would be with Vince. But this one, it almost was the whole show, the fans and The Rock were almost awkward towards one of each other, right? Like, like The Rock wanted to address them, they wanted to cheer for him, but both of them were still a little hesitant, right? And then when mm-hmm. he turned, I think him turning here is what inevitably made him even more popular than he would have been if he hadn't done it, because mm-hmm. he was on his way to becoming popular, but by doing that, almost there, fuck you, and then turning bad guy so soon, like he wasn't really good long, if he was good at all, but then, bam, now he's with McMahon, the most hated guy on the planet. I would say in 1998, TW, to answer that question, he was good right. for maybe two months, right? Give or give or take. He was so a tweener. MJF now, right? Yeah. Like, don't let him get good because once he's good, that's what he's gonna be. Let's milk it for a little bit, and then they're really gonna want, like, make him want some more. Like, we like the glimpse of the good rock. We want it, but. Fuck, he's back with Vince. You know? let, let me let me ask you this question. Again, this is hindsight right now. This is not a what-if reflection, but we have to at least look at it from a hindsight. You said it was kind of quick how they turned him heel again. Right. So looking at it from this variable, we know that the money train is Stone Cold Steve Austin. 
The, right. the, the, the proof is in the pudding. The, the shirts, the 316s was up there with NWO shirts. It probably eclipsed it and, and the DX stuff, but Austin 316 shirts were number one. No matter what, you was right. like you said, everybody was wearing an Austin three sixteen shirt. So Vince McMahon was not going to derail that money train. It's like he, it's, but he was going by the old philosophy, like don't derail like Hulkamania. No matter if somebody else is coming up. So, do you think that Vince McMahon had to had to derail The Rock's popularity to a degree because he wanted to milk? the Austin train more just to see where it was going. Not about his physical well-being because that didn't really become an issue until 99 with his neck. The neck problems get, getting worse. He was right. kind of relatively healthy. It was the knees. It was mostly his knees, but he was relatively healthy. So he did not want, he kind of went back to his old Hogan days, protect Hogan no matter who was coming up. So this is the same, this is like, you know, deja vu I, I, all over again to me. What say you? You're part right, part, part I disagree with is I think they didn't need The Rock to be it yet. They were saving it. Because if you put him okay. out there and he blows up, then you're either going to lose Austin because it's going to take away from some of his, or now what do you do when Austin's done just The Rock's there? Who's coming up behind them? You know, I think it was Shamrock. But uh, but they just, like I said, they didn't. They let a fans get a taste of it, but not all of it. So, like a tease, I tell you all the time, they would tease in house shows to see. That's how Luger and Scott Hall became babyfaces within weeks of each other because they did that little experiment live, and the crowds were split. Half the crowd liked Lex, half the crowd liked uh, Razor when they were full-on bad guys. So mm-hmm. you're, you're just testing the waters, and I think they saw that The Rock was going to have that potential, and then they're like, all right, let's ride out Austin a little bit longer build up to the rivalry, there's nothing worse. If, if Hogan Warrior proved anything, if Rock Hogan put, proved anything, there's nothing worse than making fans pick between their two favorite guys. They'd rather see you two teaming against two people they hate than fighting each other because then they got, a, they got like me, Warrior versus Savage. And in the end, I was like, fuck you, Savage. I don't want Warrior to retire. I'm cheering for him, right? But those are my fucking two guys at that moment. And I'm like, man, I don't want either one of them to be done. And then, you know, what do you do? But but that match was heel face. So, but imagine it being two baby faces where your entire fucking fan base loves both of them. Now you're making them choose between the two. The worst thing they did was Hogan versus Warrior was he beat him clean. Mm-hmm. That was good. But then to have Hogan disappear... And then come back and sabotage them. Like Warrior never got a fair shake. The way they did this, no, I, I'm Rock not. Finished. I'm not disputing. I'm not disputing your chronology. I know the chronology. I'm just saying for this aspect, it kind of feels deja vu to protect Austin. I don't. I don't think it was to hold Austin Rock back. I think it was to preserve him. Okay. Because, no, no. Because, no I, because again, maybe people might feel like you know he got shafted a little bit. Like, why are you going to turn Brock here? Why don't you know? Again, in 2022 ISTW, you know this. You know how people will. No, no. Let me just say this, and then okay. hold your thought. In 2022, the marks will say, "Why are you going to turn Rock here? He's got the momentum. He's got all this stuff. He's got the shirts. Probably he, you know, the Rock. Smell what the Rock is cooking. Can can uh." Maximum call it, you know, maxim. You can maximize Rock. He could probably e- eclipse Rock T-shirts with Austin 316. People said that with John Cena, like 
you know, Vince McMahon was holding other people back because you wanted to protect John Cena. You wanted to protect Roman Reigns as the number one merch. I'm just saying the same, you know, it's deja vu. You're just trying to protect. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I just want to give that no, variable I, here. I, I can see where you'd see that, but, but what I'm saying is here's the two reasons. One, Vince is your number one bad guy. That That's not going to last long, right? So you need a number one heel, right? And two, uh, you want someone that's going to have fucking good matches with, with Austin. It ain't going to be Vince. It's not going to be Shane. It's going to be another guy, the caliber of him, and it's going to be The Rock. Like, I don't think anyone's ever going to complain about Rock versus Austin matches. Oh, hell no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, but I'm just looking at the business best with one heel, one face. So if, you, if you're asking me which one do you turn heel, it's fucking 100% Rock because he hasn't mm -hmm. even tipped the iceberg yet. If you turn Austin... You just fucking sabotage whatever was left in the gas tank and ticket sales and T-shirt sales. This guy was setting fucking records just in T-shirts. His cut was twenty-five grand a month in T-shirts. That's insanity. Absolutely. It's insanity, but that's why I'm just saying that you got to protect the gravy train just like he thought to protect Hulkamania, I, just I, to I, a degree. I, that's where I disagree with your term. I don't think it's protecting. I think it's milking. I think you're milking the gravy train because inevitably mm -hmm. he turned heel and then he turned face again and sold fucking more T-shirts, right? Then he started selling what T-shirts after that? But I think the difference between, like you say, it's milking whatever. I think the difference was, in hindsight, Austin's health deteriorated and you had backup in The right. Rock. Like you said, preserving The Rock to be... How, how far away today. are we from Angle coming? 2000? He technically was in the WWE system in 98 in the uh, in the southern region, you know, the Jerry Lawler territory. Then right. he came up in 99 and all that stuff. So 99, now you have the guy who you're coming out as a baby face, but then he ends up being your top heel and rocks mm -hmm. a baby face, right? So right. It, I, I think it all works out like a well-oiled machine. Like, yeah, hindsight's easy to say that. Maybe in the, in the moment we were second-guessing things, but I think... I think the Austin, Rock, and Angle runs lasted as long as they did, lasted as long as they could because they were turning the right guy heel and the right guy face at the right time. Who did who did the Rock who who did Cena have to do that with? Orton's already been a bad guy and good guy fucking nine hundred and seventy two times, so he was never ever gonna You counted? You counted yeah. exactly? Okay, he was never, sure. there was the only guy who could possibly fucking get up and seen his fucking popularity, fucking quit and went to Impact, and it was Angle. Mm -hmm. So who who else is it? JBL? He is a fucking quintessential bad guy. Brock Lesnar? Quintessential bad guy. Because you know what Brock's missing? That Cena, Rock, Austin, and Hogan all had? Charisma. Mouth. He don't mm -hmm. have no fucking mouth skills. So you got to have him with the guy like Heyman who automatically makes you look like a bad guy. Even if you're a good guy, like the few fucks that had Captain Lou Albano in their corner. But even as a kid, I remember thinking, why are they? None of the other good guys. And I didn't think of them as good guys and bad guys. I just know Killer Bees didn't have no manager. The fucking only the people that had managers were bad guys. So I think I always watched the Bulldogs and Albano with one eye fucking on him thinking, don't be a bad guy like the rest of these cheaters, you know? But... Yeah, at no, the end, you, the, you're right. You're right. I'm just saying, you know, but the stars align in, in terms of Austin and The Rock because it worked out because of the health issues. So you had backup. Hey, I, I would say Austin and Rock are are like some people might compare Warrior and Hogan to it. I don't because Hogan fucked that up. 
by by doing what he did and taking the belt off Warrior, and Warrior never even sniffed it again, right? Rock and and uh, Sean and Brett weren't one and one A for popularity. One was the bad guy, one was the good guy at all times. They mm-hmm. they swapped. They did a double turn that made Sean a good guy and Brett a bad guy with that whole shit with the wheelchair and DX and and all that stuff. It was well done. If fucking Bish or what's his name. If if uh, Russo had that, if he's behind that, that's some fucking top notch work. Because it was getting me fucking mad. I'm like, you motherfuckers making Brett look bad. And I'm like, duh. Mm-hmm. It was the point, right? So, but but Rock and Austin were faces together. They were heels together. They were separately heels and faces, and they just carried the fucking flag together, right? Mm-hmm. Most every other era, there's one, there's Dusty and Flair. There's Hogan and uh, Macho Man. He would be the bad guy when he was a good guy. wasn't long. And then, of course, Hogan fucking stole his shit, too. Man, you're going to make me not like Hogan after this fucking episode. But, but you, you know what? what? Hogan, My goodness. Hogan protected himself. Piper's mm-hmm. no difference. The, the only difference is Piper didn't do it with a belt. Hogan Rest- did it with a belt. Wrestling is politics, TW, and reflection. I just always, it always has and always will be. It's realer in the locker room than it is in the ring. So it's 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 cutthroat. It's fucking, you know. There's a Rest, reason. It's wrestling is no wrestling is no different than Washington politics. With that being said, TW, let's look at certain things here. I want to at least acknowledge. T.W., the pops. We already acknowledged to me, I said Ken Shamrock didn't get a pop, but certain people got pops. And I want to say one thing, T.W., with the with a tournament, a, a one-night tournament, and this happened in even 1988's WrestleMania 4, even with Macho Man. Let me ask you this question. You say you love tournaments. <laughs> what? I still haven't seen WrestleMania 4. Oh, God, what is wrong with you? But anyway, neither here nor there. But since you at least see this tournament, you know, Talk about the crowd here a little bit because some. Do you feel that there was a that the crowd kind of got burned out by seeing The Rock a couple of times, seeing Mankind a couple of times, seeing uh, Austin a couple of times, seeing Vince McMahon a couple and of times, pace. and the pace of it. It was boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. And but the crowd wasn't like oh, it wasn't a Monday Night Raw Attitude Era crowd that they were you know, going crazy well, over it. I, I think that to I, me there was kind of fatigue if if you I saw think what I match, saw. I think the match that the crowd stood out to most to me, which would give credence to what you're saying, because they never stood out to me again, was Austin Boss Man. And mm-hmm. I think that was the first fucking match. If it wasn't the first, it was one of them. It was the second um, match after uh, Mankind and Dwayne Gill. Yes. Uh, I think the crowd was hot. And I had my usual, fuck, why can't crowds be like that again? You know, mm-hmm. that's the thing. If, if I could be serious for a second with, with, you know, I was going at it with, what's her name, Darcy on, on the thing, on the podcast page or the hustle page about okay. how the last AEW pay-per-view had seven out of ten matches were for belts. And mm-hmm. I, I purposely put. They are the pers- the personification of the participation trophy area. You get a belt, you get a belt, you get a belt. My oh biggest- yeah, I, I chimed in to you. I said I don't mind that the there's right. belts yeah. just as long as there's credible contenders and it makes but sense. Here, here's here's the two times they have made Ring of Honor belts look worthless. Last night or not last night, last pay per view. Um, 
couple Saturday, whatever the fucking uh, full gear. It was called full, full gear. gear. Samoa Joe already has the Ring of Honor TV title, mm-hmm. and he's wrestling for the secondary title for AEW. So it, it throws your fucking separate rosters out the window, and it makes it look like his belt means fucking nothing because he'd rather have this belt. And the one that made even worse of that was Cesaro was the Ring of Honor World Champion and was wrestling for the AEW World Title in, I don't know, was it for the World Title he was wrestling somebody? Or he, wasn't, was he, never, he never challenged for the AEW title. He's just he was in a for the ROH He was in a tournament or a battle royal to try to become the contender for it. Battle royal. Yeah. Uh, that so why... Why would you be in that like like why would you be in that battle royal if you were happy being the Ring of Honor World Champion? Don't tell me, hey, he finally got his world title, and then he just throws it in the sock drawer because he wants to do this battle royal so you can get the real world title, the AEW one. And okay. that's my problem with it. And Darcy said they only had eight belts. They have eleven, not counting the FTR or whatever the FTW. FTW. Not counting that ring that MJF won. Not counting the casino chip that everyone carries around when they win that. Not counting the belt they gave Adam Cole and the belt they gave Britt for... The, um, the Owen Hart uh, classic right. uh, belt. So, mm-hmm. so I'm sure everyone's getting a belt every year for winning that one. I'm not even counting those, and they have 11 titles on three hours of TV and a three-hour pay-per-view. And, yeah, okay... Sometimes UFC might have uh, a fight night where there's every match is a lightweight, but they're different weight classes. There's title matches. That's great. That's a super fight. But but what I'm saying is there's so many belts there. And then you got the FTR. I didn't even count the fucking IWGP in the in the the AAA belts that they wear out with their Ring of Honor belts when they go to the ring. So there's and there's they even- def- and they defended that on AEW television a time or two too. Yes, and so it's just, it's just, it makes them all feel worthless. Remember when we were kids, man? We couldn't get a Hogan match. We were fucking happy to get an IC title match, right? Oh, oh, you didn't get both of them unless it was WrestleMania or one of the big four, right? So now, and they trade hands so often, they just, they have no value to me. And it's not, it's not me criticizing them because I want them to fail. I don't. I'm saying stuff that I wish they'd stop doing so they wouldn't be criticized. But my problem is the fan base. That, at mm-hmm. the end of the day, is why I wrote what I wrote about participation trophy. Um, and at the end of the day, but I forget, I went on this this damn tirade. It was something to do with this show that we're watching here. But it's just, I, I, but I, I just in, don't In essence, in essence, T.W., Mm-hmm. You have, especially for 1998 and the deadly games here. The whole 98, Austin, the Austin era began in WrestleMania, and then he conveniently loses it two to three months later. I think it was King of the Ring. Then he gets it back the night after. So we never had an, there was never really an Austin era with the belt. So you're right. This is the uh, philosophy, if you will, of who Reflectionites, and I'm not trying to, you know, sandbag him, but Vince oh, yeah. Russo's philosophy oh. was, this is just a prop, and we're going to use this as, a, you know, credence for story. an angle, as a storyline, and look at this. We went from WrestleMania payoff, and Austin's dream of becoming the heavyweight champion came true, 
And then that's March. Hot potato. This is November, and this is a hot potato to get to The Rock to do this. This is Vince Russo philosophy. Was that Rock's first win? First title win, yes. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But what you're saying with participation trophy. I got to say this because. Okay. This entire show, this entire match, The Rock has never looked more black to me than he did on this pay-per-view, right? Like, he, he normally looks mixed, Samoan, whatever the fuck. He looked like a black dude. Because I don't know if he was tanning on top of the ship. He was just darker than ever. Oh, okay. I'm like, where? Hogan, Hogan 88. Did he, did, did he wrestle like Bad News Brown? I, I don't get where you're going. I don't mean mannerisms. I mean, f- physically, this is the darkest he ever looked. A, it sucks that that was his first title win. Because it almost is tainted, right? Like... Like Explain, they, they expound on that. That is tainted. I'm just. I'm they legitimately had him put. He gave a look to Vince. Put Mick Foley in the sharpshooter. He rang the bell exactly like he did in Montreal. And mm-hmm. it was like, like I said, to me, not only do you feel things like too soon, and by the way, never would fucking be too soon, right? If you if you never do it, it's too soon because. That's a black mark on wrestling history for me, right? Whether you want to blame Brett for not wanting to do the business or the honors or whatever. I mean, if you don't understand why he didn't want to do it to Sean, of all people, at that point in his life, then you'll never fucking side with Brett, right? Um, the fact that it was but, in my... Oh, wait. I'm going to have to push back a little bit. Let me just say this. And this is not a defense. This is just, mm-hmm. I just want to give a, a little latitude here. I have no problem with Vince McMahon exacerbating copying this shit of yeah. the the ring thing because you, know you have to you have to yeah. acknowledge it you have to let the fans roll with it and then you have to play along with it because the fans actually love this because they hated it it fed the hatred towards Vince McMahon and it drew money but i want to yeah. say this okay WCW did it first Star K97 yeah, with Brett they, they did it with Brett and they thought it was the the ha ha moment to uh, Vince McMahon, and they never capitalized. They thought one night of Starcade, and that was enough, and we can move on. Vince McMahon is shrewd enough that he kept going with it. He kept playing along with it because two the things. fans needed to do needed to hear it. Two things. Mm-hmm. Bischoff fucked up by doing that. I get it. Brett comes out to save the day because we're not going to have that happen again. I get it, but it looks like a copycat. Mm-hmm. And now because Vince does it again exactly at the same show exactly one year later, it looks like the whole thing was a work. So mm-hmm. I get it. But for me, as a guy who was fucking rubbed the wrong way by the shit. No, no. You, you, your fandom makes you have that feeling. And I'm not saying you're wrong. But right. I'm, just saying, I'm just giving credence that it was but already I, done I, on I, one I side first. Why Bischoff dropped the ball and Vince didn't. Because mm-hmm. Vince doing it again makes it like, well, shit, maybe he was his storyline last year, too. Maybe Brett didn't get screwed, right? Because he's using the same terms. He's doing whatever. Plus, mm-hmm. Brett does it in Canada, or in Canada, in WCW. Might as well be Canada. He does it in WCW. So now, that's those two things are probably exhibit A and exhibit B of why a lot of fans think Brett was in on it. Brett was not fucking in on it. There's no way in hell Brett was in on it because there's... There's no way he sabotages the next 10 years of his life being pissed off about something if he was part of it. Because it, 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 he just makes him look stupid if it ever comes out that he was, right? So, But at the end of the day, I'm getting back to The Rock. If you, this is what I mean by it's tainted. 
A, he, he wins it that way, and B, they make he doesn't even get to celebrate it. If you had your choice as a black man, would you want your first title win? And I don't Kofi's never got a second one, right? He's only had one. Yeah. One. Would you want your fucking world title win, your very first ever world title? Would you whether it be the way Kofi got it or the way The Rock got it? Like The Rock quietly made history. And you know what other thing struck my mind? Mm-hmm. You know who was the woman's champ that same night? Jacqueline. Jacqueline. So we had a black female world champion in the WWE before a male, which is pretty fucking harder odds. They're way harder odds. I mean, what has there been, like, fucking five black women in wrestling history in the WWF? And that's just off the top of my head and fucking four of them around now. So it's, I'm talking, like, you know what I mean? Like, that was a pretty significant thing for her. And, and Rock got nothing out of it. And then you have people today, and this is why I'm bringing it up, you have people today who don't count him. And that, that to me, that's unfair. Because that dude, on top of the fucking first black lineage, he's also the first Samoan. And the Samoans been around wrestling forever. To answer your question on a personal scale, mm-hmm. I would want it the way Kofi had it because right. Kofi had it. He celebrated with his kids. I don't know if Rock had kids at that time. Maybe, no. you know, but he had his girlfriend or fiance at the time, so he didn't have kids. So maybe what you're saying it felt tainted, but with no kids, no, I can no, I, do what The Rock I want, did. I would want the pomp and circumstance. I would want the way Benoit won his. I would want the way Eddie won his. I would want the way Shawn Michaels won his. And but it, he, but again, but, but wait. But in a perfect world, again, I, like I said, what was 1998 for Vince Russo's philosophy? The belt was a prop. The right. belt was an angle to move along the chains of right. the story. And yeah. again, the chain was that he would lose. The, he would drop the title literally a month later to mankind. And like you said, it tipped the scales of the Monday Night Wars. So again, this is all hindsight. I get what you're saying. And it was taped. Wasn't it was even tape. live. Well, it was. It wasn't even. Yeah, you're Triple right. H. Nah, Triple H was the Jericho one. That was a fucking huge pop when Jericho no, no. beat Triple H, and then they right. took it. But again, with, with the pomp and circumstances, but the, the circumstances is Vince Russo's philosophy. You couldn't get the, the, the pomp and circumstances. You couldn't get the payoff. Austin got the proverbial payoff winning the title at WrestleMania. Say That's it like, probably the only thing you could do. This is what I'm going to say it like. Mm-hmm. When The Rock got the belt, he threw it over his shoulder. I think Vince gave it to him. It, it, it almost looked like The Rock didn't care. My very first wrestling win ever was my second night in the wrestling business. I lost the first night to Rico. The next night, they decided they were going to put a belt on us so that the next town would be for the belt. So I beat him as a bad guy, cheated, and I fucking rolled out of the ring. And ironically enough, I did what Stone Cold Steve Austin did after he won the U.S. title. I jumped up in the air three times, dropped to one knee, kissed my bicep, and then took the belt from the referee. But my point is I celebrated it. The Rock didn't even celebrate winning the world title. It looked like just another fucking moment. In your words, it looked like a fucking another Monday Night Raw. He's just in the ring fucking That's sitting for the belt. I, I just think deep down, this dude's probably going, holy fuck. I just won the world fucking title. My dad didn't. My grandpa didn't. My cousins didn't. My uncles didn't. And I'm the fucking WWF world champion. Well, he, his, his, cousin, his, cousin, his cousin did. Yokozuna is his cousin, so he got to at least celebrate it. Oh, then he's not the first Samoan. Then. Yeah. Okay, he's the second Samoan. Mm-hmm. 
So that's with me that's, that's, yeah, that's the real lineage of the bloodline. He's part of it. Let me before we even like close out because I want to give a I want to put a bow on the tournament. But you said something about Jacqueline, but I wanted to at least give credence on it. One of the loudest pops of the night wasn't even during the tournament. The beginning of the tournament had their lineage pops, but there was one pop that came out that was very surprising. But again, you got a lot of horny men, 18 to 34 <laughs> demographic, and I got to at least give credence to that. And that was Sable. Sable mania was no joke. And again, you know, again, horny men, TW, love what the, it's a visual thing. And Jacqueline's, you know, is no doll herself. She was right. hot, too. She had the big titties, too. So let's not give, you know, you got chocolate and you got vanilla all roll up into one match. But again, let me let me try to be nice here. Well, I'm, I'm going to be real. I got, I got to be objective because I'm the most objective <laughs> man. You know that in hindsight, Sable was using wrestling to fuel her maybe modeling career, maybe her acting career. Jacqueline was committed to wrestling. We know this. Uh so there's a dudes before girls wrestled dudes. Right. Yep. She was doing intergender wrestling before intergender wrestling was actually cool. You know, Jacqueline was like fabulous Moolah was like Mae Young. They were fighting dudes because they had no choice. Right. But Sable was there to launch her modeling career. Sable was there to launch her acting career. And Vince McMahon Bail. knew kind of pimped her out because, again, that's a gravy train. And, you know, you think that she's trying to cater to a female demographic. No, 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 no. He was there. To, she was there to cater to horny 18 to 34-year-old demographics. So what say you about the pop of Sable? It wasn't no girl pop. It was the man pop. It was a man pop. It was a vir I'll call it the virgin pop. That's what she got. She, <laughs> she, uh, I will say this about Sable. I don't know if she's underrated, but I think... For someone who, like, she's the anti-Stacey Keebler. Stacey Keebler okay. came there because to her it was no different than getting a role in Hollywood or whatever, right? She clearly did not have a love for the business because she's never even fucking sniffed it since, you know, she dated George Clooney. Um, she's never come back for one of them Royal Rumbles, has she? No. So so she hasn't even... Wait, are you saying Stacey or Sable? Stacey Keebler. Stacey, maybe she might have been backstage at the 2018 Women's Royal Rumble. I'm not too sure. Because I almost feel like she didn't even keep touch with motherfuckers, right? Sable went out there. She talked the talk. She walked the walk. She did the Sable bomb. I think she did fucking Frankensteiner. She she, she was... Uh, she did the Mark Merrill move, too. She did what was called a TKO. So she yep, kind of yep. did like a... She, she did was, that move, too. She was Becky Lynch, like, raw. Before Becky Lynch is someone who grew up wanting to be a wrestler. This chick was like, "Fucking give me the ball, I'm gonna do it." You, you got you got more respect for Sable than I anticipated because, I, like I said, I think she she used it as a vehicle, like Goldberg, because right. you but, wanted more. But, but see, that's the difference with her and Goldberg. What the fuck did Goldberg really do? He didn't fucking talk. He did it was garbage. He did the same fucking three moves. He fucking mm -hmm. won all squash matches. He won me over by coming back because he wanted his fucking kid to see him wrestle. And that's something I can absolutely relate to, right? Mm -hmm. And okay. I think he's done way more in these years where people said, hang him up. You know, he's done way more. And that, you're, this is Bret Hart's number one fan saying this shit about Goldberg. So, But, mm -hmm. but to me, Goldberg didn't do anything. They did it for him. 
Sable tried to talk to talk, walk to walk, and I think succeeded in doing it. I think Sonny did. I mean, she didn't wrestle, but like she she fit in. She didn't look like someone who just fucking stood there and looked good because there's plenty of them. And Stacy Keebler, and I don't mean to shit all over Keebler. I bought her action figure last week, but um, because five dollars in clearance. But uh, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, you, you can tell who's in it for the long run and who's not. Who's in it for the paycheck? And Sable wasn't there long. Uh, you know, it sucks. I don't know she, what the fuck. She wasn't there long because she wanted more money. So right. that, that's very documented. She put, and then. What did she get out of it? She got Brock Lesnar. So um, I don't know how the hell that she went from from Mark Merrow to Brock Lesnar. Mark Merrow is a at least his public persona. I actually haven't seen him on Twitter in a while, but I really try to stay away from that fucking place. But Mark Merrow seems like a fucking awesome human being. And I think I even saw an interview once where Sable was brought up. He didn't have nothing bad to say about her. You know, I don't know if she cheated on him with Brock and then left him for Brock. Because I feel like that's two different eras. I don't feel mm-hmm. like Merrow and Brock were there at the same time. No, they weren't there at the same time. But I think the cheating happened with the, within the timelines, too. Neither here nor there. With Brock? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like down in OVW when she's training or something? But, but I, I don't know if it was like while they were together. But you know how you're separated? You're on a break yeah, so that's probably what happened. So neither here nor there. So hey, I'm actually together. shocked that you. They're you, still together, it. and I think they got kids together, Brock and her. Yeah. So you know, yeah, what? Brock and Sable got kids. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's an unorthodox fucking road to fucking happiness, you know. And it's you know, obviously we got to fucking deal with our own fucking guilty conscience and and faith. Um, but they're still together. So to me, it gives credence to maybe it wasn't them that brought them two together. Maybe it was fate. But regardless, why are we talking about some people that ain't even shepherd? Sable to me. She she pulled a warrior. She's the girl warrior. She fucking held him up for more money, didn't get it. And then he's like, fuck you, watch what I do with these next two bitches. And people talk about Trish Stratus and Lita way more than they talk about Sable. But the greatest sign in the history of pro wrestling ever is Sable pull my cable. Or Sable tug my cable front row on a Monday Night Raw or pay-per-view. That just tells you right there that what you're saying is 100% fact. The fucking dudes with their tongues on the floor, that if they weren't at wrestling, they'd be at a strip club if they could afford it, were the ones going banana for her. Like like I said, I'm not denying that she brought, you know, she brought in that demographic, horny demographic. I call it the virgin pop because, again, like you said, Sable pull my cable. I didn't see that sign. There was too many signs to, like, keep track of, but neither here nor there. So I just wanted to I get read it. I just wanted to give credence to what I saw in this pay-per-view. So let's put a bow on this, and let's talk about the last match, Rock and Mankind, because the pass of both guys winning multiple matches, again, hindsight, well, not hindsight, but the optics, if you will, uh, reflectionized, was Vince McMahon was sheer, was designating Mankind to, he wanted him to be the corporate champion. And from the optics, from giving him Dwayne Gill as his first-round match and winning convincingly in about 10 seconds, proof positive. He had a harder match with Al Snow, if you will. But, uh, but again, Vince McMahon, with the optics, stole a Sacco from Mankind and put it on head to give uh, motivation for Mankind to win his match, which was kind of like Rocky-esque. And then again, Stone Cold Steve Austin with the other MVP. You had Boss Man, and of course 
the double turn already started TW. We haven't even acknowledged Shane McMahon was supposedly on the side of Stone Cold Steve Austin. He gave Stone Cold Steve Austin a five-year contract and no matter what, guarantees the first shot at the heavyweight title. So he didn't need, even need to win this tournament. He was already gifted a title shot. But Shane McMahon gives the finger to Austin and helps Mankind to win the match and go on to the finals. On the other side, if you're really a hardcore fan and you're kind of noticing the optics, Boss Man against The Rock, The Rock wins in five seconds with a roll-up. Four. Rock. Record-setting four seconds. Four seconds, okay. Rock against Shamrock. Boss Man comes in, throws the nightstick, supposedly to Shamrock, and Rock, quote-unquote, intercepts it. But if you, you know, I'm looking, but the optics shows that people are getting helped here. From, and from the, the Rock immediately threw it back to the Boss Man. Mm-hmm. And then going to the semifinals, Undertaker against The Rock, which was technically the hardest match because The Undertaker had his issues with the corporation. The Undertaker had his issues with Vince McMahon personally for the last couple of months, too. He was so, he wanted the heavyweight title, too. So he already made it to the semifinals. But then Vince McMahon manipulated, if you will, T.W., Kane to fuck up the match. So the optics made it look like The Rock made it on to the finals on his own too. So you got the, so you got the people's champion on one side and you got the corporate representative on the other side with the rock and mankind. And this match went on the longest. It went on for about 20 minutes or so, the wow. long the most. And we we'll say it again, Reflectionites, Vince McMahon uh, copied what happened in 1997 in Survivor Series. He copied the sharpshooter angle. He copied that he rang the bell and forced uh, Earl Hebner to tap out Mick Foley. And it was all a ruse all along. Vince McMahon said the people screwed the people. And The Rock became the undisputed corporate champion. And lo and behold, T.W. Mankind was in the ring, dumbfounded. His father betrayed him. And, of course, The Rock beat the shit out of him. And then, of course... With all the, the, the shenanigans going on between Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin, which is the A-list storyline for the past couple of months since early 98. So it's the continuation. So, T.W., this match went on the longest, but the ending is the most memorable. The ending is the most infamous because it copied what happened in 1997. So for me, without see, with seeing this pay-per-view again, we could have put a bow in it. To me, there's nothing else memorable even before this. Everything memorable in my in, that's timeless is this match. Right. All all 1998 Deadly Games to me for the professor memory wise time timeless wise is Rock winning the belt, a la you know with the sharpshooter and copying what happened in '97. What say you? Put a bow on this for yourself too. You're, you're half wrong. It it okay. all led to this. But you just listed all the things that happened throughout the night that set it up even more. The mm-hmm. night stick, the roll-up, the cane chokeslamming them, all that stuff were, was done to garner you to cheer for Rocky versus Mick Foley to have him win. But by the way, I didn't win for you, fuckers. I won for this guy. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I remember none of this. So that means I didn't mm-hmm. watch it. Uh, but one thing I do like 
is I'm going to assume that was the first time The Rock did the sharpshooter, but he went on to use it for the rest of his career. I don't know if this was the first time via Survivor Series. I think he was using it during his push, you could say, his good guy push in the last two months. Right, but that would have also been there to set that up for that because it Mm -hmm. didn't make no sense that he did it. Right. I I just know that it's cool that he kept it. But the funny thing is, he's got the funniest sharpshooter of all. Because mm-hmm. I'm the most famous sharpshooters are Bretts and then the Scorpion Deathlock, right? Mm-hmm. But The Rock does it, and he does it so fucking pompous that when he finally sits down, it looks like someone's sitting down to take a mean shit. Like, he's just like, ah, when he finally gets him locked in it, and he just sits there like he's in the most comfortable place ever. Whereas most sharpshooters, I know from putting people in it, it ain't comfortable standing there like that. You feel like a fucking idiot. Because you are right. bent over and, and uh, what do you call it, uh, exposed to whatever. And My favorite story with the sharpshooter, probably told you this a million times, but I'm going to tell it again because it's, it's the holidays. Buddy mm-hmm. of mine passed away, Woody. Him and his partner, Bobby Lee, Woody Lee, they were the outlaws. Woody's in the back. The, we tell him, the cue is, once you see me put him in the sharpshooter, come out and save him, right? Mm-hmm. Woody is fucking staring me in the eye through the crack of the door across the fucking the the soccer rink that we're at, soccer rink, field, whatever. He's staring at me like waiting for a sign, and I'm like, dude, I, I'm like, I don't what the fuck? Do you want me to point? Like I I have him in a sharpshooter. And my manager, Libido, who's the rink impact guy, says to me, Tommy, Tommy, ease up. You're killing the guy. I had no idea. That I was so distracted and trying not to laugh at Woody that I'm just cranking on this thing. This dude's got two rebuilt knees, a rebuilt hip, and you didn't hear his screams. No, because the crowd's booing like crazy because I'm putting them in this move. And because mm-hmm. it wasn't a match, it was it was because they were a tag team. Actually, right. I think I was defending my title against someone else, and he came. What? But he finally comes running out. And we're dying. But Jeff's like, "Hey, man." You're, you're killing the poor guy. Can, can he, my own manager, like if the fans would have heard him, he's telling me to fucking ease up off the guy that we were attacking. But, uh, but that's you're why. You're stiff. You're stiff. Oh, that's Travis. So, so with that being said, Reflection Night, before we close, we have to give it, because it's episodic and because it's a pay-per-view, we got to give it a grade. And again, you know, I told you TW I was going to eviscerate it, but, you know, I had to. I held back a little bit because, again, I, I gave my credences of certain negatives and positives. You can you we, you can understand what they were doing, and we're kind of going hindsight. But again, for me, if I'm going to call this an overextended and overproduction Monday Night Raw, then I got to be honest with my grade on the 1998 not 1998 Deadly Game Survivor Series. You got to give it a B minus because. I know what The Rock offers to the table. I know what Austin offers to the table. And technically, and I'll say this, I know what Sable offers to the table and the New Age Outlaws. So you have all that pomp and circumstances of the entertainment value. So with that being said, the match quality is, I don't want to say garbage, but being that it was so like minuscule and so minute with five-minute matches, I have to give some. I have to give some grades down on it, so I'm going to give it a B minus, and I'm being nice. I wanted to give it a C, but I said the entertainment value has to give it. I have to give positives for the entertainment value because it was very with the flow, like you said, Vince Russo using the prop of the belt. It made sense. 
So B minus from the professor. What say you on your grade, and we're going to close it out. I'm going to give it a B because I think overall everything did was supposed to do. I didn't. I didn't need the the triple threat tag match. Uh, I definitely didn't need Billy Gunn's gear. Um, Mr. Ass, remember? I really didn't need him mooning the crowd when his gear already looked like he had uh, thong showing. Um, mm-hmm. But the Sable and Jacqueline, I mean, you you, you know, you gotta. You, why have female wrestlers if you're not gonna have you? you there's and I, I'm not woke, but you should have a female match on every show um, mm-hmm. because in today's day and age, you I think I don't, you, think, I don't think that's being woke. That's just being like you just no, stating the obvious. I'm not fucking virtue signaling. I'm saying this, and there's a reason for it. Because they had the Sable versus Jacqueline match. Because they had Lita versus Trish. Because they had... We today, in 2022, have fucking more female wrestlers than we've ever had, and they're fucking talented, right? They're not just there to give the girlfriend a, a reason to be there when you drag her along to the show. There's, you know, it's not... If we're being honest, Professor, it's not your cup of tea. It ain't my cup of tea. Have there been female matches that blew me away? Absolutely. Am I a fan of Rhea Ripley? Absolutely. But I watch it in the hopes with three daughters that if my kids are watching it with me, they might see somebody and go, oh, I like that girl. I want to be like her, you know, something like that. So, you know, you, you hear all the time. Hockey says it all the time. Hockey is for everyone. They prove mm-hmm. that by sponsoring uh, uh transgender hockey tournament. I don't know how the fuck you get enough people to have that. I couldn't even get enough regular dudes to play beer leagues. But the bottom line is, I I, I like the Jackie match in there. Otherwise, because if you're going to have a tournament, I mm-hmm. think you have the tournament, and, and, and we're looking at it like it's real. It has to be boom, 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 boom. And you try to space them out so nobody's wrestling back to back, right? And the way you do that is, by the time you get to the final two, you throw Jacqueline and Sable out there, they have their match, and now the Rock and Mankind come out. They both are rested. One of them, obviously, a little more. This is match first. But they come out, and they do their thing, and you go home. Because the tournament should have been the whole night. I don't even remember if WrestleMania four had other matches. I'm going to assume they did because it was a shorter tournament. They didn't. No, wait. A- they, 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 had, they had two. It was uh, Barber and Honky, and then Demolition and Strike Force. Right. So there you go. Because you gotta, you got to break the, it. And the Battle Royal. And then the King of the Ring usually had the King of the Ring and then a world title match or mm-hmm. King of the Ring and a tag title match. Um, but the bottom line is I, I give it a B because everything played its role. And and I'm going to tell you why you had quick matches because they, they harped on it. The first round was 10 minutes, second round was 15, the third was 20, and the main was no time limit, right? Because you, you gave credence to each match be, meaning more. And so... Basically, Goldust and Shamrock come out and throw the kitchen sink at each other, so it ends quicker because they're not pacing themselves for the 20-minute time limit. You know what I mean? Like, they, mm-hmm. they gave you the reason why these matches were quicker. Also, I like that they threw Al Snow and they threw Dwayne Gill and they threw a first-round bye. And then, by the way, I never, ever knew William Regal was Steven Regal in the WWF, ever. I thought he was William Regal from fucking day one. He's a man. He's a real man's man. Real man, Steve Regal, right. But that must have been when he first got there. Mm -hmm. Because he wasn't allowed to be Steven because of Steve Austin. Just like Mm -hmm. Shane Helms became Gregory Helms because of Shane McMahon. They didn't want two guys with the same name. But funny enough, after this tournament, he left to go back to WCW. Regal did? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to be a man's man anymore. 
No, this the is, Goldberg thing happened in 97. This is 98. Mm-hmm. I never knew he went back. He did, yeah. Did he go back and they put him in Goldberg and he did it again? No, he just did his own thing. Okay. He was relegated to maybe Saturday night stuff more With than micro stuff. Maybe, I don't know. No, he, he did his own solo thing, but he went back to WCW. So after this, after this tour, after this Survivor Series, two people con- conveniently left. Jarrett. Regal and, no, not Jarrett, um, and Mark Merrill. He left the WWE. After that night? No, well, you know, a couple of weeks after, give or take. Because him and Sable were having the problems, eh? I don't know about that. I think it, I just think they didn't renew the contract, and Merrill was just slipping. He he just wanted Sable to be, you know, that top echelon, <laughs> and he kind of put a back seat to himself. So it is right. what it is. His career took a shit when he started dressing like a boxer. Um, yeah, that that too. So with that being said, Reflection Nights, we close on this episodic episode of the Thanksgiving Hangover Survivor Series Hangover Edition of the PWR Podcast here at the PWSO Networks at Podbean.com. And so what we're going to do, TW, for the next episode, you know, should we do another episodic? Well, you know what? I'm going to hold off on the episodic for another week. I think we got to do another what if. We gotta go back to the what if realm. And once you're in a row, this would be three out of four. We haven't done a what if in a, in a couple of weeks. So you know, I want to be because you know the funny thing, the, they're sliding into the DMs because what I, if has has captured the imagination of the reflectionists. I've gotten suggestions from Greenpeace. I've gotten suggestions from Phil Schmetnick. So I gotta respect it, and I want to you know the gravy train of the what if. It, it's it's apropos. It writes itself. But I got a what if for myself because I think I want your thinking cap on this one. So we're going to do a what if. What if Tully Blanchard was allowed to come back to WCW in 1989 and reunite the Four Horsemen as the way it should have been? Remember TW in 1989? He was supposed to come back, but he failed the drug test. I can tell you what happened. No, 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 no. Don't say anything. right there. We'll have a okay. Tully Blanchard figure on it instead of a right. Barry Windham and Sid Vicious to go with Arn and Rick. Still well, mad about it. Yeah, so if, what if Tully Blanchard didn't fail the drug test and came back and reunited the Horsemen in 1989? What you think he caps on, TW? Because I think we got we to gotta put W... I think the war between WCW and WWE in 1989, maybe into 1990, would have been a little bit different if Tully Blanch was allowed to be back in there. So I, I see you're, you're you're salivating. I think you got some thinking. You can you can book it for maybe about a year with the four with a reunited four horsemen. So with I, that being, think I know what happened. Mm-hmm. So with I mean, that being said, I, I, 1992 is a different. Uh, assortment of people in that interview that one of the greatest interviews of all time promos absolutely so with that tw give out those socials so we can get out of all right see the pwc network at podbean.com we skipped that but this week i threw it in there on accident so there you go shout out, shout out to them too i skipped the, the fucking top one but anyways uh homie media group at podbean.com check us out there um hmg is also channelattitude.com um, check out the Hami Media Group there. Our shit, shit. Our show is at PW Reflection. Uh, I said P or JB's name, so 
catch him at at the P1JB. Uh, we said Travis, so we're going to hit, hit him up with at Nuts and Bolts PW. And, of course, Big Ray Hernandez. By the way, Ray, you got to stay stick on the original timeline and move next fall so I can come visit in New York while you still live there. Uh, so at Big Ray Hernandez is his Twitter, his TikTok, his Instagram. They're all worth following. Uh, I have Tommy Wonder 19 on Instagram and Twitter. I have at the Tommy Wonder on TikTok and Twitter. I have Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder. Snapchat is number Wonder. And then Big Vito and Noel, they're at bigvitobrand.wixsite.com, patreon.com backslash the Big Vito brand. And then Dum Dum Jewel and an idiot someday, somewhere, somehow. Well, for Thanksgiving, you was going to eat and it was going to digest in your stomach. So you didn't want to regurgitate that. So I can respect that. And the Reflection X can respect that. With that being said, you can find me on my Twitter at PWSOPROF. That's PWSOPROF. Follow my brothers in arms, the man with the documents, Silly Ray Valentine at OB When You Know Me, and the man and the king of the reactions, 8-Track Brown at the number 8, T-R-A-C Brown. And again, next week, what if? We're coming back with a what if special for for the professor because I want this one because I think TW can book this one too. What if Tully Blanchard did not fail the drug test and come back to WCW 1989 to reunite the four horsemen? How the wrestling world would have changed. And with that being said, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful. Tommy wanted to say good night. Happy belated Thanksgiving. Happy belated Survivor Series hangovers. And we'll see you next time. Here at the PWR Podcast at the PWSN Networks at PowerBeam.com. The fuck is that? That was either Sable or Mark Merrill's entrance. One of the two. Well, that was Sable.